Hello and welcome to the Number 10 Podcast, where we talk about the biggest moments in Major League Soccer and U.S. Soccer. I'm your host, Logan Agan. On today's episode, I was joined by Jake Rauschback of MindRight Pro, and we talk about his journey working with the UNC women's soccer team, how he coaches his athletes amid the COVID-19 pandemic, and much more. And now, here's my interview with Jake. I am now joined by Jake Rauschback. He is a mindfulness coach for um, MindRight Pro, and he's also the host of the High Performance Mindfulness Podcast. How are you doing, Jake? I'm great. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. How's everything treating you during these crazy times? Well, it's definitely been unconventional, but um, I'm down here in North Carolina right now, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's been interesting. But um, I, I'm I'm in a good spot and and grateful that um, uh, I have some space to kind of move around and kind of in the country here, so I can move around and get some space and get to the go for runs and stuff like that. So all in all, it's been it's been okay. It's been okay. That's great to hear. So to start off, I'd love to hear more about your background and your journey journey and how you started MindRight Pro. Absolutely. And first of all, I just want to say I'm I'm humbled and grateful that to to be on your podcast and thanks for asking me to be on. But um, yeah, um, it's been a, it was a, it's a long and winding journey. Um, I'll make it, this is the nutshell version of it, but basically, uh, when I was a kid, I had a brain injury and, um, I experienced a lot of different types of traumas from the, the mental and emotional and physical side as I grew up and, um, kind of had to figure it out quick, uh, just to, to offset and neutralize a lot of the, uh, pain that I was experiencing. So, um, as a kid, I kind of naturally uh, dove into holistic techniques and mindfulness and mental performance. And this was, you know, this is 20 years ago. So it was back then it was crazy, right? People thought this was a little bit out there. Um, uh, but I kind of figured out a way to, to work and to, to help me feel better. And then when I got back on the basketball court, play better with those techniques and um, ended up playing in college at, uh, at Drexel. And then when I got into coaching, I knew I wanted to bring this work to, to the players that I coached. So um, went back to school, uh, got some credentialing that you kind of need to do this stuff and um, ended up uh, uh, implementing mental performance and mindfulness and different techniques across many different levels of sport and many different sports uh, all around the world. So it's been, it's been a little bit of an odyssey, but um, I'm appreciative for, for the experience. Yeah, that's awesome. I would love to hear more about some of the people that influenced you. Um, one of the big things is that you never go through anything alone. So what how, is there people in your life who've influenced you in your journey? Absolutely. Obviously, my parents have been a huge influence and um, uh, such a, I have great parents and great family and, you know, start with them. They're just, you know, pillars in, in my upbringing and my, my progression. Um, from a professional standpoint, um, Coach Fran Dumphy at Temple was a huge mentor of mine. He's a Hall of Fame college basketball coach, and I got a chance to work for him for basically four seasons, and I learned so much from him. He's you know unbelievable basketball mind, but even even more so, he's a he's a unbelievable person. Just you know, they're great professionals in different walks of life, but they're not always great people, and they they just don't always care for people. But Coach Dumphy is an amazing person, and he taught me more about taught me a lot about you know, the sports end of things, but he taught me even more about how to interact as a professional and treat people with respect and, and just care for people. I thought that was really important. Um, other individuals, uh, Dagan Nelson, he's a head coach at, at NYU for their men's basketball team, another great friend and mentor. Uh, Doug Gottlieb is another great friend and mentor. 
um, who I coached, got a chance to coach with in the Maccabea games over in Israel um, a couple years, a few years ago. Um, there's so many people, I don't want to leave anybody out. Um, but those are, those are three that come to mind. Bruiser Flynn, who I played for at Drexel, was another great influence. Um, learned uh, 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 how to be tough, and I was already tough, but I learned how to be tougher or mentally tough. You got to be mentally tough playing for, for Coach Flint. And um, so those are some individuals that really kind of helped um, morph and guide and mold my, uh, my experience and, and how I kind of work and, and uh, um, uh, work with players and teams now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So could you talk a little bit about your approach and your philosophy when it comes to mindfulness and working with different athletes? Yeah, it's been my experience that, that every athlete has a chance to unlock massive statistical improvement in their game by unlocking the deep subconscious mind. So what does that mean? Well, um, I, I think what I've seen and experienced is each athlete, um, whether they know it or not, have mental blocks. And if they're cleared while uh, also trained or also implement by also implementing um, proactive, let's say, mindfulness or mental performance techniques that uh, they had the chance to really, really improve their game, uh, like statistically speaking, whether it's in soccer or basketball or baseball or football. Um, so that's that's been the, the aim is to to really help players be the best versions of themselves by helping them get out of their own way. So you've got the the deeper element of the player, and then you have the more, um, let's say, the more conscious element of the player. And when you're able to kind of coincide those together with specific techniques, <coughs> excuse me, um, that really helps to move the dial on performance. So that's been my philosophy is, is it's great to feel better. Like it's, um, you need, you know, it's, it's imperative and it's important for players and teams to feel better and, and met the mental health aspect, but, uh, but, and, and it's really important to also, I think, facilitate results or help facilitate results. So um, that's kind of been my philosophy, help someone feel better, uh, focus better and then perform better. So that's kind of how I, what I go off of. Yeah, and so does your approach vary based on what sports you're doing, whether it's a team sport, individual sports, whether like the style of play for sports. So for example, soccer, the when you play, there's very few stoppages. But if you look at other sports like basketball, while it's still a continuous game, the whistle's constantly blowing. There's always stops and starts, timeouts. Does that affect how you deal with uh, mindset and mindfulness? Yeah, so um, I so basically, the the approach it's, the approach is yes and no. It does change, but it doesn't change. So, um, say for basketball and soccer, the the core or any sport really, the core of what the catalyst for a performance change, positive change, is is the same when you break it all the way down. If you get to the core deepest level, if you're able to unlock, heal, uh, eliminate, uh, delete out in balance on the emotional energetic level, then it doesn't matter what sports you're in performance has the tendency, has the probability for rising. Now on a, on a very, on a, take that, that level, like take, let's back ourselves out of that deep level. You know, as well as I, cause you played college soccer for four years that um, the, the bass the culture between basketball and football and soccer is different. Like the language is different. There's different things that go on. The flow of the game is different. So I think it's very important to tailor mental performance around um, the sport, the culture, the, 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 way, uh, the way it's spoken, the way it's played. So, for example, in soccer, like you said, it's a much more free-flowing sport. 
doesn't stop as much as as much as basketball. Um, so it lends itself to, in my opinion, to having players to to self check in more and more on their own, like consciously always checking in with themselves, even if the play is going on and maybe they're outside of the play, the ball's on the other end of the field or the other side of the field. I think if they find themselves uh, um, losing focus or not really zoned in, then I think it's imperative on them to, to lock in during the, the continuation of play. In basketball, it's a lot easier, even in baseball, because play is always stopping. There's always a whistle. There's always a timeout, right? Uh, college basketball, there's uh, four-minute timeouts. So the first four, first half TV timeouts in Division One basketball, 16 minutes, 12 minutes, eight minutes, four minutes. There's always going to be a timeout. That's not the same as soccer. So, um, in terms of all the consistent stoppage of play. So, um, I think it's more imperative on the soccer player to really uh, make it a a distinct focus of theirs to always refocus. Where in basketball, you kind of re- it's a natural refocus because you're always stopping. Um, so. To sum up my long-winded answer, um, you've got you've got the core process. I think is the same, but it needs to be customized for the sport and also, honestly, the gender as well. Male and females are different; they respond differently. So I think you have to. It's it's helpful to provide customization around that as well, if needed. Um, and then also um, the level of sport. So. Division three, high school soccer, Division three soccer, Division one soccer, professional soccer is different. There's a difference, right? It's a different of uh, many different aspects to each. And so we're talking about the stage of, let's say, soccer or a stage of a sport. Um, that also uh, uh, plays a part in how you customize, customize the work. Yeah, awesome. Um, so I'd love to just kind of focus in more about your experience working with soccer players. So, for example, you mentioned to me that you – worked with the UNC women's soccer team. So could you share a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah, um, I was, this is several years back and I was uh, pretty green at, at my craft at that point. It was kind of a trial by fire sort of experience, but it was an unbelievable experience. I got to work directly, report directly to, to Coach Anson Dorrance, who, you know, is a, is a legend and uh, has won, I don't know how many national championships at this point, but over 20, it's 25 or something ridiculous. Um, and has had numerous national uh, national team players. So um, for me, it was a, it was just a great experience. First of all, interfacing with some a leader like that, right? He's seen it all, done it all. Um, he's an unbelievable leader. That was the first thing that was so apparent to me. Uh, dialoguing with him, uh, getting the, the 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 feedback in the background around the players that he wanted me to work with and how to what he what he wanted done basically. Um, understanding just kind of how he goes about his craft is, is, was really remarkable. You talk about excellence, like he is excellence personified. He's, it's precision over there. Like they do everything, everything is measured. Everything is quantified. Uh, they measure everything in practice, obviously everything in the games. And it provides a level of accountability for their players where, you know, they say the film doesn't lie. Well, the film and, and their, their stats or their analytics don't lie. So, you know, I think after the fact, after practice, after games, they're always holding their girls accountable, which I think is great because that, that's a way to basically help them, you know, go to the next level with their performance. Uh, for me, uh, coming, I was, an, you know, I was a consultant, so I was coming in from the outside, having to build the relationships with him and, and some of his players. But in regards to him, that was the thing that stood out most, excellence. He just kind of like exuded excellence. Um, the players uh, was an inter- another interesting dynamic because – 
all those players are, are, are awesome. Like they've all had experiences or most of them had experiences playing on the national team at some point throughout their high school career. Right. And some U 16 national team or whatever it might be. And some of them in college are at their peak. Like it's the best they've ever been. And some of them have fallen off, right? Some of them had been at peak when they were 15, 16, 17. Now they're 19, 20 and, and they're not where they used to be. So that dynamic I found really, really interesting. And that's kind of why I was brought in. It was to help the players that were underperforming, right? That were not the underachievers that had a lot of potential, but weren't reaching that potential. So the things that I actually uh, observed at that level dealing with, there's a lot of pressure that comes from playing with playing for Carolina, right? Um, but the, the inputs that those student athletes had to process through on a daily basis and a practice and practice and game by game basis were way more than even like some of the, the higher level or more, let's say exposed exposure, the, the sports with more, more exposure on the men's side where they're on TV more, like there was way more pressure that those student athletes at UNC dealt with than say the, some of the athletes that are say, I don't know, in a, in a men's college basketball conference on TV all the time because the expectations were so much higher, right? So I think um, my job was to come in and help kind of help to neutralize, not neutralize the expectations, but neutralize the pressure that some of these, these females felt so that they could perform better. So, um, but in, at a first glance, that's, those are the things that I saw and observed. And I, I, it was remarkable, um, the, the microscope that those student athletes were under and also the levels of excellence and expectations that they were striving, striving to be and striving to, to outperform in. Yeah, uh, one thing that you mentioned was you were talking about different women's players that maybe were at the top of their game, game at a younger age and then they came in and maybe they weren't performing as high once they got to UNC. So could you talk a little bit about how you work these players and any players through different slumps that they might get in? Because for any player in any team, slumps are going to happen. And it's just you have to find the way to most efficiently work through them as soon as possible. That's the best way to deal with them. Absolutely. It's a great question. Um, thank you for that, Logan. I think um, some of the things that I tried to do were uh, provide context for what they're going through. I mean, it's hard when you're in the, in the minutia of not playing well or a slump. You're singularly focused on one thing, which is playing better and get over, getting over what you're going through getting more playing time, playing better, whatever it might be. Um, but the one thing that I try to do, one of the things I try to do is provide context for the, for the student athlete. I mean, they're, if you take 10 steps back, living an unbelievable life, right? You're playing, you have a scholarship at UNC. Uh, you're playing a national schedule. You got a chance to make the national team at some point, if you haven't already. You're having all these experiences that are op gonna open up many doors throughout your career. So or that could open up many doors throughout your career. So taking a step back and finding context to what you're going through, it's, you know, the, the bad game, the, the bad stretch of games is not the end of the world is so important. Um, a lot of, a lot of these girls or student athletes didn't have, or not that they didn't have, but I think we all can improve in, in process and in routines. And I think pro great process and routines lends itself to, to excellence. Um, really your, you know, great habits. So what I, what I try to do um, in my contribution was helping to facilitate and providing tools to help them strengthen their habits and routines and behaviors so that 
you know, from, from day to day, they weren't a different person. They were the same person every day. And that same person was, was being excellence, was being great. Not going to be perfect. It's not about perfection. You're not going to be perfect. But as long as you're being the best version of yourself every single day, even some days that might drop off, but you're still, you're, your focus is still there. Well, over the long run, your progression as a player and a person in your performance um, is going to rise when compared to, to having, um, let's say, less refined or less a strengthened process and skills and, excuse me, process routines and habits. So came down to context and building great routines for these players. And that was kind of my role coming in as a consultant with them. Yeah, I completely agree. I think just kind of once you get in the routine, a muscle memory sort of forms with what you're doing and you don't have to worry about just little, like those little things because they're just part of you. And that mm -hmm. just lets you focus on the bigger picture. As opposed Absolutely. To so speaking of routines, in the past year, we've really seen the everyone's routine just really shift through the pandemic. So how has it been like working with athletes during this pandemic where maybe their season ended early or there was a um, big question mark about what their season was going to be in the fall or, or even coming up through the winter? So how do you work with your athletes during the pandemic? Yeah, uh, it's been interesting to say the least, right? Um, so I'll give you a couple examples. A lot. So this is the springtime. I work with a lot of players overseas that are playing professional basketball overseas. And I mean, it's pretty typical. We, the only way we're going to work is via Zoom or FaceTime or Skype or something. So that didn't change a whole lot. But like the, se the se basketball seasons overseas go to about June a lot of times. So like th this is March and yeah, end of March and the season's ending. And these guys are like, well, what do I do next? Um, what do I do in my, um, there we go. What do I do with, you know, what do I do next? Like, how do I, cause you know, from March to June, they're generally playing games, right? So from March to starting at the end of March, they had to actually take a flight home and figure out their next steps. So for them, it was a lot of them sat in the house for three weeks. Um, and then, you know, we were doing mental training, but like they didn't, they didn't really know what to do with themselves outside of doing that work. Um, so I think it, so that starting when this thing jumped off in March, the most important thing that I try to get um, the athletes that I work with to do was provide process within their daily life. So if they were quarantined, get up and do your mental training, do it, you know, three, four times a day. It doesn't have to take an hour and take five minutes each time. Right. So there's routine there. If they could get to a gym or get to a field or get to a track to work out, or a weight room, then that's even better, but provide routine in their day because, you know, I, I, I talked to some players that, that just had no routine and they were going a little bit stir crazy, right? So that wasn't, that wasn't beneficial for them. Um, so now let's fast forward several months to, to you know, now or the past several weeks. Um, players are now ramping up for the season. Some players are now ramping up for the seasons depending upon the level and the, you know, the season that they're, sport they're playing in. Um, but I think, Again, it comes back to helping them find a level of focus through the chaos, because there's chaos everywhere in our society right now. Um, them finding neutrality and a balance and just like a, almost like a safe space within themselves to, to maintain their focus, um, I think has been so important. The players that we've been working with, when they've been able to do that, they've been able to kind of, um, I want to say it's business as usual, because it's not, but they've been able to find a level of, of uh, let's say, peace 
to, to do their work, to do their job, to get to class if they're in school, to, to get their training in, to get the practice done, to, to have some sort of social life, whether, whatever it might be. Um, so it really comes down to finding neutrality, finding focus, and, and, and being able to, to detach from the chaos. I think that's been able to help um, a lot of players. You know, it's been over Zoom, but it doesn't matter. In person, Zoom, it doesn't matter. Um, it's helped a lot of players just kind of detach and, and get their jobs done and live their life as best as they can right now. Awesome. Well, thank you all for all of this, Jake. Um, one final question is how can people get in touch with you and learn more about MindRight Pro? Yeah, well, again, thank you so much for, for having me on. This has been a blast. And um, you can find me at mindrightpro.com. So I, that's my website. And then uh, Instagram, I'm pretty, pretty active. So you can find me there at mindright underscore pro. I post a lot of uh, mental performance techniques, techniques and tips and uh, interviews for my podcast, which is a, a high performance mindfulness. Uh, you can find that on basically all the streaming platforms. But yeah, those are the, those are the three places that uh, that your listeners can find me. Yeah, thank you so much, Jake. Yeah, thank you. This has been a blast. Thanks again to Jake Rauschback for joining me on the show, and thank you for listening to the Number Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Agan. Please be sure to like, subscribe, rate, review share with your friends. Till next time.